Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Not Gonna Lie podcast presented by Student Union Sports. Week 10 and the NFL season has just about finished up. We have one more game to go, Monday Night Football, Bears and Vikings, but I'm here to recap all of the games from the past Sunday, uh, and I'm happy to announce that I, I'm being joined with Luke Owens. We're going to go through uh, all these games, talk about them bit by bit, give maybe an updated MVP conversation look and, and an outlook for some of these top teams, especially after a week where we really have no idea where some of these teams land based on their play. Uh, but here we go. Here is my conversation with Luke Owens. We now welcome on a, a very special guest, a member of the Student Union family and Somebody who, if I'm not mistaken, just secured the PS5 thanks to to Twitter. It's Luke Owens. Luke, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I've secured the PS in a way in terms of we got, I've gotten enough likes, but I can't get my hands on one. I can't find them anywhere. Like it's it's insane how they're just they're going left and right. You have these people that are just hoarding them that have like 10 or 15. It's just it's ridiculous. So I'm not getting my hopes up. I will get it. And my girlfriend has said she will follow through on it. It just might be a little while till we can actually get one. Yeah, no, it's kind of like, it's it's almost like the shoe resales. Like this is kind of what I've seen because there's, exactly, yeah, exactly. I've seen some on like eBay and stuff going for a couple grand. So people are, people really, you know, are trying to make some serious money, but it sucks yeah, for those of us who insane. just literally want a new PS5 is, is very unfortunate. But uh, yeah, we've got, this was a, this was a very interesting week 10. I think that's a good adjective to use just because we saw so much um, that, that kind of changed or, 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 um, made us think a little bit more about these ideas we had of, of some of these teams, you know, like you look at, at Tampa Bay, they got embarrassed on national television against the saints. And we're thinking, all right, this, you know, we're, we're, we're thinking about calling them frauds. Uh, but then all of a sudden they dropped 46 on, on Carolina, same with, you know, green Bay playing another close game to, to the Jaguars. Um, was there a game in particular um, and I know we're, we're going to get to your bills in a little bit, but, but was there a game in particular that really made you take a second step back and think, I might have been wrong about one of these teams? Honestly, I got to start with a game that maybe flew under the radar in, in some cases, which was Giants-Eagles, because I came in very low on the Giants. I thought the Eagles, I mean, they're getting all their pieces back, essentially. And then you have Elshon Jeffrey gets one target, which was I thought was was insane. And it's tough because I think Carson Wentz, I thought at least when he had all his weapons back, he'd look better. And, and Daniel Jones really outplayed him. And the Giants defense, which has really been solid all year long, showed up there. So that's a really interesting race in the NFC East. You know, I still give the edge to Philly. But for the Giants to win a game outside of Washington, I thought was was a one o'clock game that kind of was under the radar. But it kind of had my full attention by the end of the first quarter where, I mean, Daniel Jones has that rushing touchdown once again where he, he looks, you know, he looks good. If he doesn't turn over the ball, the Giants seem to win games. So. I really like what Joe Judge is doing over there with the Giants. Yeah, no, that's true. They, I mean, and even the games that they lost, they stayed very competitive. I mean, you look at the Buccaneers game, the last time they played the Eagles, both of those games came really right down to the wire. Um, so so I'm with you. I, I definitely was taken surprise um, by, by the Giants a little bit. But the game that just ended, Sunday Night Football, Ravens-Patriots, I mean, I, I, I was telling you before we started recording that I knew that eventually we were going to see something from the Patriots. Like I was expecting a, a game where, you know, they remind us who they really are. 
Um, I don't know if this was necessarily the game, but I think we can all take a moment and just respect the greatness of Bill Belichick because the, the, it, this was a, a team win. This was orchestrated, put together. I mean, you have Jacoby Myers dropping a dime, an absolute dime to Rex oh, yeah. Burkhead. Uh, I mean, this was this was Bill Belichick in his finest form, uh, wet conditions, terrible conditions. But let's start with the other team. Okay, the, the Ravens were were a lot of people's favorites to really, you know, make a run at this AFC and, and, and take the throne. And right now, I mean, they're not even the best team in their division. So what specifically do you think has changed between this year and last from, you know, a, a team in the Ravens where they never really had to play from behind. They really, they got the running game going to a team now who, who has really been stifled to move the ball and what was their biggest strength. Yeah. I think that's the biggest problem. You, you hit the nail on the head is they hadn't been able to run the ball. And I thought going into this year, I mean, between Ingram, who, I mean, has been injured a little bit, and Dobbins plus Lamar Jackson, I was thinking, I mean, they're my pick to come out of the AFC. I kind of saw them a little bit as that Chiefs team from last year where the year before it's like, all right, like you can kind of feel it going into last year. The Chiefs were finally going to get over the hump. And I felt like that was going to happen with the Ravens this year. And yeah, the run game hasn't really gotten going. And going into this game with the weather conditions like they were, I gave the advantage to the Ravens. I thought they'd win this game going away just because how New England's played and obviously any Bill Belichick led team, you can never count out, but they really didn't run the ball all that well tonight. And on the other side of it, their defense got absolutely gashed. I mean, Damian Harris, 22 carries, 121 yards. And you had uh, Rex Burkhead going off as well. So, I mean, those are two kind of big lines that you weren't expecting for the Ravens defense. So I think maybe their defense has even taken a step back, especially in that game. But again, I don't love to throw shade at Lamar Jackson, but there's been a couple games this year, especially it seems like when he's kind of in the big stage. We saw it against the Chiefs. We've seen it in the playoffs. We now see it against the Patriots where he kind of just takes a step back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and especially it really feels like that. I mean, this is going to build the narrative of his inability to play from behind. He got his first win playing from behind last week uh, against the Ravens or against the Colts, excuse me. I mean, that game was 14 to 10. You know, it's like yeah. ah, how much of a, of, a, of a comeback could that really be? But the Ravens had three chances to, to score. They had three opportunities with the ball in their hands um, to, to actually make a difference and, and pull out this win. But I mean, they didn't even generate 20 yards of total offense. They didn't even uh, make an effort to flip the field in a sense. It was, it was pretty close to three and outs on all three drives. But my biggest concern, and this was the, the first of the three drives, the opportunities that they had, uh, was, was they, they had the ball on their 34, fourth and two, uh, with I think 11 minutes to go, and they elected to punt over going for it. Yep. And I mean, I'm not trying to start a narrative or, or create all these doubts and questions, but you're talking about one of the most effective group of runners uh, in, in the NFL, fourth and two, uh, in, in a situation where you're no, you know, this is widely known. You're not afraid to go for it on fourth down these situations. Um, I mean, maybe it was a trust in the defense, although they'd been getting gashed all night, but is there, is there some concern a little bit to, to where you're saying, you know, this isn't the same Ravens offense and, and maybe Jim Harbaugh doesn't trust them to that level. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's definitely plays a part of it. I mean, it kind of felt down the stretch and even going into halftime, it felt like, all right, the Ravens should be able to get back in this game. And I think that's the biggest issue is that, I don't know if it's hard about not trusting the offense or, you know, we kind of saw it a few weeks before where, where Hollywood Brown kind of called out, not necessarily Lamar Jackson, maybe he was more of the play calling saying, you know, why is the ball not in my hands more? And that kind of creates a little bit of doubt. So there just seems to be something, some sort of disconnect right now with the Ravens. And I think 
it doesn't all fall back on Lamar Jackson because I still think he has, you know, what he had last year. And even we were talking before the show, you even had your doubts last year with Lamar Jackson, as did I. You know, I think he's a little bit of a different – he's a tough guy to grade because he has games and he has throws where you're like, all right, this guy is – he's the guy. He's the, the guy we saw last year. But then he has a game like tonight where it's just a little bit more worrying. And obviously the conditions play a factor there as well. But I wonder if there's a little bit less trust in the offense, which, of course, is led by Lamar Jackson uh, this year. Mm. Yeah, I just, I have such a hard time. I mean, you look at these, you look at the best teams in the NFL, the teams that consistently win in the playoffs. Um, and this is an argument that we we had uh, in our group chat a little bit where, you know, some people believe that, that quarterback play isn't that effective, but I think one of the most, and this this isn't necessarily something that you can, you can chalk up to a specific stat um, besides it itself, but fourth quarter comebacks really tell you what you're going to get out of a quarterback. I think that's a very big deal. And yeah. I mean, I remember I was listening to a podcast with Bill Polian and they were talking about, you know, what's, what do you look for in a quarterback? What's the number one metric? And he's like, look, if a guy can lead his team down the field uh, and, and win games in the clutch, like that is the number one thing I'm looking for in a quarterback. And, you know, you, cause you can fix, you can fix mechanics, you can fix, you know, arm trajectory, all that stuff that, that maybe makes you a better passer, but it's gotta be some like innate, you know, thing that's in your mind to be able to, to lead your team down the field. And I think that's really the missing piece of Lamar's game, but I don't know if he can really do something to fix that. I mean, it's either, you know, you do or you don't. And so far, um, and, and it hasn't happened often. It's a very small sample size, but so far, I mean, he really hasn't. So that, that is, that is definitely something that, you know, we need to look out for here in these next few weeks, especially. Yeah, and I mean, look, even looking at that last drive that the Ravens had, they go four and out. I mean, they, they didn't generate any offense. They had a three-yard pass to Mark Andrews, which was really the only offense. And in that entire fourth quarter, they had, as you mentioned, they had a six-play drive that punt. They had a three-play drive they punt. They have that four-play drive they turn it over on downs. Like, at the end of the day, if, if you have the ball in your hands in the fourth quarter and you're trailing, something your quarterback has to do something. And I think that's kind of what's been lacking for Baltimore is that Lamar Jackson hasn't shown his ability to kind of make those big plays. And I think that's something that, you know, it's very situational at times. Like Josh Allen's a guy that has been great in the fourth quarter. And maybe part of that is because he doesn't play so well in the third quarter. So it kind of can be situational in, in some terms. But to a point, I think that is definitely a level of concern for Jackson. Yeah, but I got to say, I'm giving respect to We have a comment here on, on TikTok. Are, are the Pats making a run? You can't count them out. And this is just never another uh, another reason why you can't do that. They're now four and five. And you look at these, I mean, and I, I hate to be like, oh, you know, close game here, close game there. They're one yard away from beating the Seahawks. They're, uh, what, what was it, a, a fumble or an interception? I forget which, from from beating the Bills when they were in, you know. Yeah, the Cam Newton fumble. Yeah. yeah, the fumble. Yeah, they were they were in at least red zone adjacent territory. Uh, so, you know, this this is a team that's, dangerously close to being six and three, but they're sitting at four and five. So yeah, I, I, I certainly think that they are, are more than capable of making a run looking at their schedule the next few weeks. These are winnable games. They go Texans, Cardinals, Chargers, Rams, Dolphins, Bills, Jets. I mean, and, and with a, with a seventh seed now in the playoffs, it's really, you know, it's anybody's game and you get Bill Belichick in a situation where it's one-on-one -on -one, winner take all. I mean, it's, it's dangerous. It is, it is very dangerous, but uh, all right, we'll keep it moving here. Get on to the next topic. Um, this is, so we have a little segment after Sunday night football where it, it's just a little complaint about fantasy football. We have a little fantasy football <laughs> window where we 
talk about our mistakes or talk about our frustrations. I'll, oh. tell, you where, I'll tell you where I'm frustrated. Okay. Yeah. Nick Chubb coming back from injury had a great game, busted out on that big run, steps out of bounds at the one yard line. I'm thinking, whatever. He rushed for 124 yards, also had a touchdown. Not a big deal. Turns out I lost by one point. So Nick oh. Chubb, if you're listening, thank you. Thank you. That's I hate brutal. to be that guy, but thank you. Yeah. Thank so you. I guess uh, my complaint would have to be, uh, I'm just an idiot. I was looking at my roster going into Thursday and you know, it wasn't the worst call in the world when I look back at it because I, I, I started Rex Burkhead at running back. He got 19 points, which isn't bad. Yeah. This is a very deep league, by the way. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's, it's a 12 team and we have two flexes, so it's a pretty big league. And I neglected to play Hines, which was, mm. you know, probably a mistake. He puts up 25, so he had six more. But if I had those six points, I would have at least been within two. And I still have uh, Justin Jefferson playing tomorrow. So I probably would have been able to come away with a win uh, with Justin Jefferson uh, tomorrow, who is – he's questionable right now, but I think he's going to play. Mm-hmm. And I also just – this team, honestly, I got – I'm just going to complain. James Conner is, is the most hit or miss running back every yep. single week. Between him and then my wide receiver one has been Cooper Cup. And after getting 21 targets last game, he doesn't get anything this game. I mean, it's just – it's just ridiculous. My teams, every team I have this year is just so wildly mediocre. It's ridiculous. I feel like I'm in, I'm an NFL team right now, you know, between the AFC and the AFC, no one knows who's actually good. That's basically mm-hmm. my fantasy teams. Cause one week they go off the next week, they don't. And a lot of it has depended on Russell Wilson for me. So the last few weeks have been a little bit tough. Yeah. My, uh, my one league, my big money league started off five and oh, was chilling. I just dropped my fifth straight. Uh, and the oh, last man. three have been to, have been because of poor decision-making on my part. I pulled this week, I last second, literally two minutes before the roster's locked in, I swapped out Deontay Johnson for Tyler Boyd. Uh, and two weeks, and yeah, and then I dropped the Colts defense on their bye. Shouldn't have done that. Uh, and I would have won the previous two weeks. So I'm, I'm, I'm sitting at a difference between eight and two and five and five. And it's a big difference. It is a big difference. Yeah, it's brutal. And Deontay Johnson's a tough call every week because when he plays, he usually does get a lot of targets, but it's just, you know, you just, is never, he, you just never know. Is he healthy enough to go? And mm-hmm. it's tough to see do have a, a million different weapons, but today all of them got their share. I mean, Juju, Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Ebron had some nice plays too. So big Ben's feeding all of them except for James Conner. So that's tough. That's tough. James Conner is a guy I have a, I have a a short list. Actually, no, it's actually a pretty big list of guys that I will not touch. Um, and it grows every year and James Conner has made his way onto that list. Uh, I will not touch. I do not have him in any leagues. Uh, I will not touch him. I, a guy who's also on that list is Allen Robinson. I went back in my word, drafted him in one league because I thought it was a steal. It wasn't. Um, but (laughs) This concludes the complaint about my fantasy team. We're looking for sponsors. So if anybody's out there that has something, um, your business will sound good next to, you know, complain about my fantasy team brought to you by. Brought to you by whatever, whoever wants to sponsor. Exactly. Okay, Luke, I'm sorry. I know this is going to suck, but we have to talk about the Bills Cardinals game. Luke is a Bills fan here. Um, so it, it was, we, I mean, this is, this was probably the most exciting game of the week. Uh, and it's two teams squaring off that are, we're going to be talking about into January. Um, so something that we have to mention, 
walk us through your emotions. Let's get, let's get that, that out of the way first. I mean, it was a, there, there was a game, uh, you know, what, what we thought was a game winning touchdown, uh, Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs. So let's start there. Walk yeah. me through just these last few remaining plays. I mean, what, what is, it was the dumbest game because the Bills go up 14 and in the third and I'm, I'm, I'm not comfortable against Kyler Murray. I've never, never really counted my chickens there, but I'm thinking, you know, Josh Allen throws a bad interception with about four minutes left. And I'm like, all right, that's it. But then the defense steps up. They go, the Cardinals go three and out. So I'm like, you know, Josh Allen fourth quarter, you never know. And then third and four, Cole Beasley makes just an absolutely nasty one-handed catch along the sideline gets both feet in he had a, he had a game and a half he was phenomenal and um i mean i'm, I'm standing i'm getting all the emotions going and then that throw to digs i mean i it's it's just pure pure euphoria because first of all what a throw and second of all what a catch i mean you can't you can't throw a better ball and you know i was thinking i was thinking game over i'm not gonna lie i thought it was over i think most people thought it was over and then what happens the play before the hopkins play uh, Murray kind of scrambled around. He made a short throw, got like five yards, and he killed a ton of clock running around. So I was like, oh, that was a bad play. They killed like 10 seconds. And then, I mean, even that when that when Murray makes that last play, I thought the Bills were going to sack him. They don't get to him. He gets a throw off, which is – that's what Kyler Murray is. That's the tough yeah. part. You, you couldn't sack him. If it was any other quarterback, maybe you sack him. The throw doesn't even get, get off. And what – I mean, it was an incredible throw, incredible catch. And – for Hopkins to literally dime three people was ridiculous. And Tredavious White, I mean, he got a good hand in there. And Hopkins was just – he's just too strong. And I, it's one of those games where if you're not a fan of the losing team, you're just freaking out. Because, I mean, from a football fan's perspective, that was just such an insane play. But for me, I mean, I just kind of stood there looking at – first of all, my jersey went over my face. And then I just sat there. I didn't want to look at my phone because immediately it was text, 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 group chat, group chat, group chat, someone welfare check, Luke, blah, blah, blah. And I was just sitting there like this. My girlfriend actually ended up getting a good picture of me because uh, one of my friends texted one of the group chats and he was like, is Luke okay? And I was just sitting there like this in my jersey. I mean, it's such a tough loss. And the only like good part is it wasn't a playoff game. You can come back. It's still seven and three. But when I look over and see Miami beat the Chargers, it's a little bit more worrisome. And, I mean, it was a great play, but that's one of those games that will keep me up tonight, just thinking about how just someone knocks that ball down. It's a great win that's anchored by a great play down the stretch by Allen and Diggs. It's just so brutal. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a tough – we need to – so I, you got to send me that picture. So we'll clip this this whole section and, and then, I will, I will send that picture <laughs> and then we'll put it on. We'll put it on over here so people can get a visual of, of really what you were feeling. But I mean, it was a great game. These are two playoff playoff teams, two above average teams in their respective conferences. Um, and yeah, I mean, you said it like both, both of the, th both throws and catches were absolutely incredible. Like in, yeah. in terms of just the tight window uh, and catch probability, absolutely insane. I mean, Kyler's rolling out to his left, which already as a right-handed quarterback yeah. puts you at a disadvantage kind of does that little like Derek Jeter jump hop throw and yeah I mean it yeah like you said you you worded it perfectly if you're a fan of any other team but the Bills this is an incredible thing to watch and I was just I was watching on my TV I was like no way he caught that but yeah, it was yeah it, yeah yeah absolutely wild but the the thing is that I really want to bring to the table now is, is I'm very confused 
I don't understand why. And now you look at, at where, um, you know, where, where Kyler and the Cardinals are at compared to where Lamar and the Ravens were last year, very similar win loss records, very similar situation. Obviously the Ravens took off and won, you know, I think it was what nine straight or something like that. Um, but at this point in the season, Kyler has, I think it was like five less rushing yards per game, um, over a hundred more passing yards, more, more rushing touchdowns. He has more rushing touchdowns right now than Lamar did all of last season. So he's on pace to have more yards, more total yards, like a hundred less rushing yards, a thousand more passing yards uh, and, and more total touchdowns. But there is, I mean, I, there's a general amount of hype around him, but people lost their minds at Lamar Jackson. And that's nothing like what we've seen from Kyler this year, who's been arguably more impressive. I, I mean, why, why, why is that? That's what I'm trying to wonder because I saw those kind of comparisons coming out earlier this week. And from everything I've seen with Kyler, I mean, there's not a lot there for you to question where with Lamar, there kind of always were those arm questions. Mm -hmm. Kyler has the arm talent. I mean, that's very evident. I thought it was uh, pretty clear early on in the year. I mean, the way they battled with, with Russ and the Seahawks on Sunday night, I think that was a real eye opener for me, at least, you know, I love, I've always liked the Cardinals. I like the, the way they play. They kind of have that up-tempo. It's a really fun offense. It kind of reminds you of watching a college team. And obviously when they have a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, it's pretty ridiculous. Add that with, you know, Chase Edmonds, who I think is the best back in that backfield. I don't know why he's not getting more touches. But, I mean, I don't know why Kyler's not getting the hype, especially when, I mean, you look around the MVP race and with, with Russ kind of falling off a little bit lately, I don't know why Kyler's not getting more love because, I mean, Mahomes – you know, you kind of get that voter fatigue sometimes where mm. his numbers are stupid. I mean, 25 touchdowns, one interception yeah. is stupid. And Rodgers putting up Rodgers numbers as always. But I like Kyler as kind of that pick like Lamar last year where he comes on the scene. He has a great year, all the, all the hype. But for some reason, Kyler's not getting hype. And I, I'm with you. I really don't understand it. Maybe it's a West Coast thing. Cardinals always play kind of those four o'clock kicks, kind of these weird games and, and stuff like that. But we saw him on Sunday night ball out. So. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know where, why there's no hype coming in. Yeah, and, and the thing that I think also really distinguishes him from Lamar uh, is that I, I honestly think Kyler Murray is the smartest running quarterback in the oh, NFL. Yeah. Maybe, maybe in history. I think yes, in history. This dude will rush 12 times a game and get touched like maybe one time. And that one touch is him getting pushed out of bounds. He's so smart when it comes to sliding. I mean, his slides are incredible. He goes for about five yeah. yards every time he goes down. But that's the biggest issue with these mobile quarterbacks. I mean, and, and you look at guys like Cam Newton, Robert Griffin III, who have been dealing with these injuries based on the big hits they've taken. I mean, Lamar gets hit a ton, very much so. And especially now that, you know, this offensive line is banged up, he's going to get hit even more. But that was the big question with Kyler Murray is like, uh, cause I'd said in my, in my NFL preview, I was like, I mean, I love, you know, I love the Cardinals. I think there's a lot of hype around them. Um, and that's why I, you know, I think I had them going nine and seven off to look and see on the season. And I just didn't think they could get to the wins, but I mean, this defense that Vance Joseph has is insane. It's just all around the field. It's just guys that are like hybrid linebackers, you know, Buda Baker, they put them at safety. You've got Isaiah Simmons, and, and they ran this against the Seahawks, but they basically can fake a zero blitz and drop into coverage. And you have no idea what's going on. Uh, like my, uh, the, when they played the Seahawks, my favorite design that they called up was, it was basically a zero blitz uh, and they were running um, until they had three corners out. Everybody drops back into coverage. The slot corner rushes the quarterback and hits Russell Wilson, goes untouched. 
I was like, this is, this is incredible. And, and they have such versatile weapons. I mean, I, I'm about to get on board to say that these Cardinals have a real shot to go to the Super Bowl this year. I think the offensive line has wow, a lot of I like issues. That. I, I think the offensive line has a lot of issues. I think there are some pieces on that defense that are missing. They're not a complete unit just yet. But everything we've seen so far is very encouraging to me. And especially now, I mean, we look at the Packers. That defense is a mess. Aaron Rodgers is carrying them on his back. The Saints, um, I, I think the Saints right now are my pick to come out of the NFC at least. Um, they've been playing extremely well. I think they're one of the teams with, without any holes. But the Seahawks also getting carried. They have those offensive line questions. And if Russ doesn't ball out every single game, they lose. You know, like looking at this list, I have half a mind to put the Cardinals as the second best team in the NFC right now. Am I, am I crazy? No, that? I don't think you're that crazy. And, and that's the biggest thing. That's the biggest takeaway for me is going into this year. Could we trust the Cardinals defense? And I think we can. And it's tough because they lose Chandler Jones. That's a really big loss. But I like they go out and get Marcus Golden from the from the Giants, who not the biggest piece, but he led the Giants in sacks last year. So I kind of like him as a rusher. And I'm going to say this. I think Buda Baker is what people wish Jamal Adams could be in some search, in mm -hmm. some scenarios because he can cover too. Like he's not just the guy that gets the quarterback, which I think Jamal Adams, small sample size this year, but he's been exposed a few times in coverage and just freak athletes all around their defense. That's the thing. I mean, I loved Isaiah Simmons coming out of college. I was, I talk about the, the Giants, Jets and the Bills for, for radio locally here. And I was hoping the Giants would go after Isaiah Simmons because he's such a fun piece that you can plug anywhere. And in the beginning of the year, people were kind of talking like, is Isaiah Simmons being used properly? And they seem to kind of have found how they want to use him. And I think that's so exciting. And, you know, Patrick Peterson, he's kind of on and off, but I mean, I thought he had a great game today. He had the interception, he had a chance for three interceptions. Mm. He had two go through his hands. And I think Kirk Patrick, again, another guy with room for improvement, but you have two veteran corners to kind of at least anchor your, anchor your secondary. So I really like this team. I, I, like you said, I don't see a ton of holes with them. And Kyler Murray is like, it's like inventing a new language for speed because you can't just say he's fast because that doesn't describe Kyler Murray. As you said, he's so smart. He picks and chooses when to run and he's so electric to watch. I mean, he's, he's become must watch television. He's kind of in that Russell Wilson, you know, stratosphere, but he almost can go above it at times just because of how exciting he can be with his legs. Yeah, absolutely. And this, I mean, this is a, this is a very good football team. I saw a tweet out there today that it was like, you know, the guy who gave up DeAndre Hopkins for a wash running back in a second round pick should probably be fired. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy because they kind of talked about the the digs trade and the, like everything worked out today for like both teams. That was kind of mm -hmm. one of the storylines going into the week was these two number one receivers that both teams. I mean, the Bills at least gave up four picks. They gave up the, the first round pick that turns into Jefferson. But it's just insane that anyone allowed Bill O'Brien to make that trade and then allowed him to continue to coach that football team and then finally fired him when there's nothing left like it's just absolutely insane yeah i i it's very rare and i said this when the trade happened it's very rare that we are all as a collective you know football uh, fan group so opposed to one idea or one trade like there's always the the guys that are like you know maybe they can make yeah. this work you know but universally everybody was like this is a bad idea and on top of that, you take the second round pick that you could have used to get another receiver in the draft. And we see a lot of these guys really playing well. You go out and spend that on Brandon Cook. So you eliminated the whole reason of yeah. why you're getting rid of this guy to save money. And then you go out and, and trade for another wide receiver who costs, you know, between David Johnson and Brandon Cooks, they cost just about, if not more, uh, than Hopkins. So I'll have to look at the numbers on that specifically. But 
and on top of that, they don't have their first round pick. That's going to be top five. Like that, that's just the icing yeah. on the, the cake of garbage that's become the te- the Texans. But I, one thing I will, will note quickly about the Cardinals and DeAndre Hopkins, I love how him and Kyler kind of, they really keep each other in check. Like they're not afraid to say when one of them isn't doing the proper thing. And Hopkins kind of was quoted saying like, he likes that. He likes that Kyler will hold him accountable if he doesn't make a big play, which not very often. I mean, he has probably the surest hands in the NFL and he has for a while, but they're, they're fun. I don't hate that uh, pick in the NFC. There's not really a clear front runner right now. Yeah. I definitely want to see how they do. Cause they still have four, four divisional games left and in, in what is a very tough uh, divisional group here in the NFC West, but you're up, you know, you're, you have a game advantage on the Seahawks. You're in the driver's seat right now in this division. Um, Things are looking good. You still have two games against the Rams. I think that's going to be big. And that will transition yeah. to, to, the, to that topic a little bit. But the Seahawks got exposed today in a very big way. I saw, I was watching the broadcast. I mean, we, well, let's start, we'll talk about their defense first. I saw that they were on pace to break the passing yards allowed record by something like a thousand yards. Like it's not even close. They have, they have as many passing yards allowed right now than the 2013 Seahawks did the whole regular season when they went to the Super Bowl, like this is such a, a far cry from, from what we saw from this team, you know, just a couple years ago with the Legion of boom. And I have, you know, uh, I'm here in Washington. So there's a lot of Seahawks fans to listen to this podcast. And the one thing they kept saying is, Oh, just wait till Jamal Adams gets back. That's going to change the whole outlook. Well, Jamal Adams was back and you guys still got thrashed. Like this, yeah. it's not a good, it's not a good group. I, I think and it's such a, such an interesting concept because you can look at you know the 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 defense from a, a top-down view and say all right they've got all these playmakers Shaquille Griffin's great Jamal Adams is great Jerron Reed I love him you know they added Dunlap they added uh Snacks Harrison they can't put it together if you can't put the, this defense together it doesn't matter how many stars you have on it uh it's not going to work and they really got exposed by that today as they have these first nine games yeah the secondary has just been the biggest problem because when you look at how they're constructed. I mean, they might have two of the best linebacking combination in the NFL between KJ Wright uh, and Bobby Wagner. Yeah, I didn't mention them too. Yeah. They, I yeah. Mean, they... And it, it just hasn't mattered because their, their secondary has been so bad. I mean, I saw like after the first quarter, golf was on pace for like 480 yards passing or something insane like that. He obviously finished with just over 300, but, and I'm not a big golf guy in general. I mean, I like his weapons, obviously I think that helps him out, but yeah, it, it was a bad showing. And I kind of, I had that feeling going into this game because, you know, we saw the Rams were favored and that kind of was, you no, know, it's a home field thing. But I was also like, someone knows something about the Seahawks. Like there is a reason why they're the underdogs in this game. And yeah, I think a lot of it coming back to Russell Wilson. I mean, he's obviously superhuman, but it's got to be tough for him to look around and realize he has to put up 40 points a game. I mean, that's the reality of what this team is right now. And I think they really miss not having Chris Carson because I think he's, he definitely takes a load off of Russell Wilson. It's kind of been a mixed bag of DJ Dallas and Collins and a few other guys in the mix there. I think that's a big loss for them not to have Carson, but I mean, even Russ made that one, that one red zone pick he threw in the end zone where there was like 15 yards of green in front Mm -hmm. of him and he forced that throw. I mean, we've seen things the last couple of weeks from Russell Wilson. We're not accustomed to seeing and teams are starting to pressure him a little bit. They're starting to kind of dial up the blitzes and he's a guy that can escape, but you know, for how long, for how long can Russell Wilson just carry this entire team? And it's definitely showing right now. 
Yeah, and, and it feels like the blueprint is out now, like you said, on how to stop Russell Wilson, how to stop the Seahawks, is get that interior blitz. I mean, Michael Brockers and Aaron Donald were having a field day, and the pocket yeah. collapsed immediately. Like, there were a couple plays where literally Brockers or, or Aaron Donald would throw on a basic pass evade, you know, pass rush evade move, and they were getting into the backfield. And, you know, normally we've seen Russell Wilson exposed to this, um, and, and he's fared pretty well. But for the last, I, honestly, for the last month, I mean, this is, we've seen a Russell Wilson who's turned the ball over. I think he's got like 11 or 12 turnovers in the last four games. Um, in addition, because I, let's see. Yeah, because he's had, uh, what is it, seven, seven interceptions. Four against Buffalo. Yeah, four against Buffalo, seven interceptions in the last four games. Um, and and he's fought, he still has nine, you know, nine touchdowns. He's averaging 275 passing yards in that game. But you can't, I mean, they're putting Russell Wilson in a, an impossible situation, right? They're saying, basically, we need you to play mistake-free football for four quarters. We need you to throw for 300 to 350 yards, make some insane, like, out-of-your-mind throws. And you're probably, you know, still going to be down by four with, like, a minute to go, and we're going to need you to take the ball down and win us the game. Like, this is it's – a, it's a similar situation. And last year, this is a thing that, that really annoyed me because I was not big on the Seahawks. I mean, I'm still not big on the Seahawks for the exact same reasons we're talking about today, but they kept pulling it out at the last second. They were like nine and two in one possession games. And I was like, this is like, this is dumb. You know what, what they've, what they've put together is like, it's not sustainable. And we saw, you know, they were, they were out very quickly in the, in the playoffs for that very reason. But yeah, this is not an encouraging sign if I'm a Seahawks fan, especially because, you know, two of my three losses have come at the hands of divisional opponents divisional opponents yep. that are right now ahead of me in the NFC West. Yeah. And that's the crazy part. And I mean, Thursday night football this week is going to be insane with, with Cardinal Seahawks. I'm, I'm so excited for that. The only good thing for the Seahawks is if you look ahead past that Cardinals game, it's Eagles, Giants, Jets, Washington. So that's a nice four games. Mm -hmm. You end with San Fran. You have another game against the Rams in there too, but in terms of who I trust the most in the NFC West, I think I might put the Seahawks third. I think, I think you might have talked me into the Cardinals right now. And the way the Rams play defense is, is really a thing of art. I love watching them defensively. I mean, you talk about weapons. I mean, there is just weapons all over the place when it comes to the Rams defense. I mean, two shutdown corners, a great safety tandem, not even throwing into the mix. Aaron Donald, who has been ridiculous, Michael Brockers. I mean, that's a fun defense. And they have so many weapons on offense that it's like, if golf is just good enough, it's, I mean, look, they made it to the Super Bowl just a few years ago. And yeah. obviously they end up throwing up a dud where their defense plays great. And Jared Goff didn't really show up, but this is a team that could kind of have a similar run, I think, to that team where they play good defense and the offense can really, I mean, if they get it going, they can light it up. And mm -hmm. we kind of saw it a little bit against Seattle again, it's Seattle, but yeah, I think right now when I look at the NFC West, I might trust the Seahawks third but that schedule coming up maybe gives them a little bit a little bit of an advantage but as you said they're losing division games which you can't do yeah and and, and it's the the difference you know and we saw it last year when they came an inch away from winning the nfc west the division the difference between you know winning that title and being relegated to a divisional game is huge is massive maybe it's less this year because you know the number one seed is going to be the team that that is the only one that gets that by but that's still i mean it's a very like tall order for them. And I think, I mean, even with, like you said, those four, those four upcoming games, it's still a, a, an uphill climb because they're down, you know, the saints 
Saints are eight and two now, right? So they're, you know, that's, um, I think if I'm not mistaken, they're, I think they're, they're seven and two or seven and two. Okay. Yeah. 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 But yeah, so, them and the Packers right up there at the one seed. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a tough division to, to be the best in, especially, you know, with, with all this inconsistent play, but we got a couple things to cover here. Um, one of which is going to be the Monday night football preview, but it's Jameis Winston time potentially in New Orleans. And I am pumped. I mean, we, we are, are, are un, unashamed to be a pro Jameis Winston podcast um, have been, you know, Jameis one of one is a, a friend of the show, had him on multiple times. Big friend of the show. Yeah. 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 So, so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm hyped about this. I want to see, I'm interested to see how Sean Payton, you know, obviously Drew, Drew Brees has not officially been ruled out and, you know, thoughts and prayers go out to him, hopefully a speedy recovery because you don't, I mean, as much as I love Jameis, I don't want to wish injury on another person yeah. for him to get that opportunity. Um, but I mean, what, you know, what, what are you expecting to see? Are we going to see 50, 50 Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston, or are we just going to see, and keep in mind, this is the Atlanta Falcons they're playing next week who are also pretty bad when it comes to pass defense. Like this could be a 400 yeah. yard Jameis Winston passing game. If, if we're not, if we're, if we're lucky. I have been just chomping at the bit waiting for James to get a chance because you know it's not going to happen with Breeze getting benched. That's not going to happen. I mean, Sean Payton's going to give Breeze his kind of run here because, I mean, this is a very, very good team around him. But I tweeted out, I, I forget. I'm going to look at this. I'm just looking at their schedule real quick. It was during the – I think it might have been when they lost to the Raiders. One of those early games where the Saints, they start off one and two. And I said, Jameis Winston's the best quarterback on that team. You know, some people, it wasn't, it was kind of half-hearted, but also in the same vein, I, I think his, his arm talent right now might be, a, I mean, Drew Brees' arm has looked a little bit weaker going into this year. And it, it seemed like an arm that would always hold up, but it's definitely starting to kind of take its toll. And that's why I like about Jameis. He's going to sling it. He's going to sling it around. And, you know, maybe now that he's fixed his vision a little bit, he might throw a little bit less interceptions. And, I mean, this is the perfect game for, you know, Drew Brees to get some rest. We get to watch James Winston play against a weak secondary. But again, if he lights up the, the defense, what is that? Where does that leave the Saints? Where does that leave Sean Payton? Is it really a controversy or not? Because the Saints right now are 7-2. and two. They're still second in the NFC. They're still a chance to get that, that number one spot, as you mentioned, which is so coveted. But I want to see Jameis play. I want to see him succeed. Yeah, and, and I, I think – I'm not saying this will happen, but we've seen quarterback changes happen in the middle of successful – stretches you know the bears did it the the dolphins did it and they've, did it. they've i mean the bears kind of iffy but the dolphins have seen you know they've picked up pretty much right where they left off but i mean here's the deal this is why i i'm even bringing this up because you're talking about a guy in drew Brees who missed six games in his entire career five of them came last season um you know this it's it's a new drew Brees doesn't miss games and in and in addition to that when he got when he got that hit, which got flagged, which I didn't make any sense to me. I didn't think there was. I, I don't. No. You can't make the body the body weight argument with me. <laughs> I didn't like that. But you could see he was in obvious pain. Still continued, finished off that drive, and then in the second half, says Sean Payton, "I can't go." Like I'm. That's that's a real concern that there's something going on, and maybe it's you know maybe it's just some broken ribs. But he said it was kind of a a, a combination of things. So I'm not optimistic that Drew Brees starts next week. But in my super flex league, immediately when I saw Jameis Winston walk on the field in the second half, picked him up. I put him in, and I'm hoping to, to get a chance to start him this week. Uh, obviously, hopefully, Drew Brees makes a successful and speedy recovery, but not before we get just one game of Jameis. Just one. That's all I want. Yeah, just, just give us one. I mean, coming up, they've got Atlanta, Denver, Atlanta. 
three weeks. I mean, you know, give Drew Brees some time to heal. He can come he, back. He, he can, can go down legitimately the throw rest. for a thousand yards. But let, yeah, game. let let Jameis cook. Let's let let's let Jameis cook. And yes, it's just such a fun story, Jameis Winston. I mean, the memes obviously that come from it, and the, the pick sixes, and I mean, you're never gonna have, you're never gonna not be excited when Jameis Winston is under center. I think that's the biggest thing. So I would love to see him get some action. Yeah, I'm gonna reach out actually after we record this and and uh, shoot a DM to Jameis one of one because I think you know we, I have him on every month, but I think this may call for a special a special episode if we can get Jameis Winston to to start a game. But yeah, I I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm hoping you know everything's okay with Drew Brees, but I'm also hoping we get to see something with with Jameis Winston. All right, we got a couple minutes left here. Let's talk preview. Uh, Bears Bears Vikings. I don't really know. I really, I like, especially from what we've seen from the NFC through these past, you know, through this past Sunday, I have no idea. So right now we're looking at an over under 43 and a half and the spread is uh, minus three in favor of the Vikings. Uh, is there, is there a bet specifically that stands out to you for this game tomorrow? This game is messy. I'm going to say that. Like I, you know, coming in, I've, I've done a lot of I bet the Bears way too much these past few weeks. Like, I, I, every time they, they're an underdog, especially, I mean, there was the Rams Monday night game, and there was the Titans game where, you know, it's like, ah, oh, they can stay with – and they almost they almost had a backdoor cover against the Titans. But it's like, you know, they're a team that usually stays in games. They're not going to get blown out. And I don't know what to make of either of these teams because the, the Vikings are doing their little, their little run here where they kind of make you think, ah, oh, well, maybe there's something going here. And – it's really an interesting division because obviously the Packers far and away the best, but now with the Lions kind of sneaky leg against Washington, it's, it's going to be an interesting kind of game. And I mean, the real question is, can Chicago stop Delvin Cook? And no one's been able to stop him these fa- past few weeks. I mean, he's just putting up eye-popping numbers. Um, and I'm trying to see, he's so over under 43 and a half. That's, that's tough. I think I lean... I think I lean Minnesota, but it's just one of those stupid games where I could see the Bears hanging around and just, you know, unleashing some part of them that was there, you know, in those first few weeks. I really, I really would have to look into more props because I think I'd stay away from either side in terms of the spread. Yeah, I, I like the my reasoning for this doesn't make any sense, but I'm going to explain it to you anyways. So I'm going to take the over in this one, and I'm also going to take the Bears plus three, maybe even money line. You could definitely talk me to money line simply oh, yeah, because so. uh, Matt Nagy announced that he was giving up play calling duties to the offensive coordinator. And if I know anything about you know the Bears and especially about Nick Foles, he thrives in these situations where there's a little bit of uncertainty and you don't know what you're going to get. Like when he came on and, and led the comeback against the Falcons. Um, I mean, just dropping dimes all over the place. I think we're going to see something similar. I think we're going to see uh, maybe something exciting from this guy simply because there's so much uncertainty. And I know that's a terrible explanation, but the Viking secondary isn't the best. They're another one of those teams that that it does very poorly um, against against passing games. I'm just waiting. I, I mean, A-Rob's too talented. I think they're going to get I, – I think it's just going to come together. There's going to be one more week where we're going to say, man, can the Bears really do this? because then they're going to go on their bye week. The Packers play the Colts. I'm a Colts fan. So, you know, if, if that game plays close and maybe the Packers lose, all of a sudden, you know, the Packers are, are going up against the Bears with a chance to, you know, for the Bears to take a lead in the division. And then they're going to disappoint us. That is my three-week timeline for this, for this Bears team. But it all starts with a big, very convincing win over the Vikings, which makes us think, wait a minute, could they do this thing? 
I think the question is which defense you trust more down the stretch. And I think that's going to be Chicago. I mean, that's kind of what's been lost in Minnesota and they've been playing better defensively recently, but I think I trust the bears defense a little bit more. And like you said, Nick Foles does seem to thrive in those kind of weird situations. And yeah, I think Allen Robinson has a great game against this, this Minnesota secondary, as long as he doesn't put up 30 points. Cause in one of my leagues, I'm up by 30. He only has Allen Robinson left. I'm feeling kind of safe, but you never know. Uh, but Another question mark has been David Montgomery, who is questionable. I believe he's going to be ready to go for that he's game. Out. But... They ruled him out. Oh, he's out? Yeah, he's out. He's mm-hmm. out. So he's out. Yeah, there we go. Who The Bears are going to roll out. Uh, who is their backup? I was well, looking so at the other day. Cordero Patterson. And then the guy. So when David Montgomery went out, Ryan Nall was a dude that was taking a lot of the pass catching uh and Lamar Miller's on that team too. And Lamar so. Miller. So this is this is going to be that's what I'm Ooh. saying. It's just a hodgepodge group of dudes, like, yeah. but it's all gonna come together in some weird way. Like I'm starting to figure this thing out. We're getting into week 10, week 11. This is when I think you know the storylines start to make sense. And I can kind of uh like I have a good, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I have a, a decent handle on, on what's gonna go on. So um, but I'm excited for it, I'm looking forward to it. But this is yeah, the bears, the bears are gonna get us excited going to say hey there's a chance to go into the bye week come refreshed uh and they're going to be it's going to be close it's going to be like one or two point underdogs against the packers because the packers are going to come off of a tough loss to the colts uh, maybe a little bias in there uh, but then i'm hammering the packers i'm absolutely with everything i've got putting money on the packers to cover um so that's my prediction for the next few weeks but i'm looking forward to it we're getting into things are heating up we are getting into the very exciting portion of the nfl season uh, amazing that it's gone on this long. I'm happy that it's gone on this long. I don't know what I'd do without it. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, but Luke, thank you again for taking the time to uh, to talk with me. Always a good time. And, and and you're welcome on whenever, anytime. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. It was a, it was a matter of time before we, we got it going. So this was, this was really fun. Thanks for having me on.